Welcome back, Interabang. We are thrilled that you are still listening to this. Um, this is part two of episode 18. Uh, we are talking with our friend of the podcast, our special guest, Diane. Um, and without further ado, here's Michelle with a question. Uh, no, that's, yeah, that's all really interesting. Uh, thanks for sharing. I am wondering, so again, tying back to, so both of you are, are of different generations. So Diane, yeah, you've shared how you, You've traveled and, and lived overseas. Um, some places were yeah, former British colonies. Um, and, and Stephanie, you're a bit younger. So have either of you actually been to the UK? And have any of you, was it just for vacation? Or was it like long-term vacation? Or maybe studying abroad extended period of time? Or have any of you actually lived there? And in addition to that, would you like to settle down there permanently, you know, long-term, go back? Um, so that's kind of a question for, for both of you, Stephanie. Um, I'll start with uh, you. Yeah, actually I have lived, uh, oh, yes, I don't know if lives the right word, um, temporarily stayed there uh, for a study abroad thing, uh, which is like over a summer. It was really nice. Um, over in Cambridge, it was in a Cambridge. part of my university. We had an exchange yes. program. Um, and it was really lovely um, for the short while that it lasted. Uh, how, so how was that? So that was you're already well into your exploration of, of British oh, entertainment. Yes. So you absolutely. So you were excited about being. Did you kind of seek out this location, this opportunity? Oh okay. yes, I tried for two years to get this. Okay. <laughs> Finally, the second year they let me in. at Cambridge. So just you don't have to go into too much detail, but overall, directly like living there, being there for a month or two. Uh-huh. How did it compare to your kind of fantasy maybe you created? It was just soaked in history. It just felt great. It was vivacious. It was everything I could hope for and more. Um, but I know that, you know, the place that I was living in Cambridge, it is a college town. Like that is the whole point <laughs> of being a student in Cambridge. Like you just get the whole student culture there. Um, and I very much, you know, thrived on that. Um Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure if I went back to live there as like, you know, a, a, an adult a couple decades from now, would I enjoy it the same way? I, I can't answer that. Um, I know that it's quite expensive to live over in the UK comparatively to, you know, America, you know, real estate and, and groceries and all that stuff, especially with Brexit happening. Um, I'm sure the prices of everything and logistics are a little bit more difficult to come across. Um, I do like the sprawling space of America. So I don't know, perhaps if, if the company paid for, for my, you know, living and expenses, I'd probably happily live over there. Okay. Okay. But, or, or so you'd be interested in maybe going now in your kind of earlier career years or maybe retirement open, open, either, to, open, open to moving and living. Whenever, whenever there's an opportunity that presents itself. You wouldn't sure. fight it. And whereabouts um, exactly yeah. would you like to land any particular? <sighs> I think London area would be nice because I know some people there and I know quite a lot of places there. Okay. And an awful lot of Google Earth and Street Map views there. Oh, um, I have a story to share about that. Yeah. So, yeah, they, so my dad quite quite a lot. My dad did um yeah, he did travel quite a bit internationally for work for various work projects and um oftentimes would have stopovers or work meetings in, in either like London or Paris. And um I told him about my my new friend, my new university, Stephanie, who um, is a very wonderful, interesting person. And 
how she really liked the UK. And um, he traveled once to, to London and I think it was the building he was having a meeting in or maybe his hotel and he had a view mm. of part of the cityscape of London and he just took a picture from his window and he was like, ask Stephanie to find out where I am based on this picture of like going out to just some rooftops of somewhere. And there wasn't like, it wasn't like Big Ben was right in front of him. It wasn't like- yeah, it wasn't super remarkable. I no, it, 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 it was definitely like London probably, but like it wasn't an obvious one. So I sent it to Stephanie. I think you started working on it right away, but I think overall maybe took you half 20, or maybe 10 minutes. Yeah. You so. definitely had a first guess right away. And you said, hold on, let me check. And yeah. then maybe 10, 15 minutes, you had actually sent me a Google map, like street view yeah. of as close as you could get to location. And you were correct. It, it, it was like within a floor. Yes. You know, like, I believe he's around this floor in this building and he's looking out towards here. Yeah. It was and, like a South London thing. And I remember it's like kind of near the financial district. And I was like, yep, I've seen that in Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, sure. Sherlock. Sure, but, but, I mean, but it was like just to showcase, like yeah, Stephanie knows London quite well. And my dad was very impressed. it's a it's a little bit um insane it's a, it's a little bit creepy i have to admit <laughs> it was kind of like um not like murder mystery but like yeah but there have been a couple other occasions other than you where i've i've identified a couple other london places that may not may or may not have been residences um or you know other other locations mm-hmm. uh and uh like film film places and uh yeah it's, it's kind of uncanny how google earth is able to or google street view is able to mm-hmm. provide that little detail yeah but it's yeah. fun it's fun if you've got nothing else to do and it's harmless you don't spread it around the internet so you just keep it to yourself <laughs> <laughs> so okay yeah no no i always love that story i always remember that so, so stephanie is actually um uh, maybe <clears throat> and stephanie i think so thinking back if you did actually live there um, hmm. I don't know, because right now it seemed, I would uh, kind of presume your experience, you know, listening to BBC radio, it, it is kind of distance, right? Because you're living so far away, but it is kind of half over there. So what if you actually did move where all of those things are actually taking place? Would it kind of all come together? Would you still kind of have this little separate little world of yours where you kind of indulge in, in things? I have would, no idea. Or would, I have it, no, would it hit you that you're like, oh, no, like that's an hour away or like things like that yeah so. no it, it definitely did hit me when I was studying abroad um I think I uh we had like a weekend over in London um from the study abroad program and I went and stayed with my cousin who was there at the time mm-hmm. and um we just hung around well, Sherlock Holmes place and I was like oh, I know exactly where to go this is so exciting I don't even need a map I could just I've, I've walked this road many times on Google Street View. Yeah, uh, I can get I can get here exactly. I can navigate. Um, but it's strange because I can't speak. Like I can I could put on a British accent for the lulls of it. Oh. But it's like I get imposter syndrome suddenly. Um, but I don't guess it's syndrome because I really am an imposter. Uh, just affecting the um affecting the the british accent and people are clearly like oh, you're not from around here i have um i know someone who actually was british and they they're like why are you speaking in that way like it's oh, not really? it's not american oh my goodness it's not british mm-hmm. um and it's a close family friend of mine so i was like oh it's just fine <laughs> um but he's like yeah i don't, I don't i'm like i i can't tell you myself either just sometimes it it doesn't come out the way i'm thinking it should come out because that inner um, voice you have mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. No, yeah so that, that's the absolute travesty i can't 
successfully blend in. Great. Although, yeah. And then, so then same question for you, Diane. So would you, so you still currently enjoy kind of listening and, and uh, tuning in to the shows and the movies and some of the history. Um, what about just directly experiencing it? Would you ever want to live there? Did you ever really live there, much, spend much time in the UK directly or how did, uh, and how, yeah. did and how, how did it compare to what your per- perception or your fantasy of what it would be like? Uh, I was there temporarily uh, with my husband's company. He was there for several months and I went over there to stay with him for about six weeks. Um, and it was winter time, unfortunately. So where, the weather where, was... where in particular? Um, oh, in London. In, in London? Mayfair. Okay. Mayfair, which is an old upscale classic area near Buckingham Palace. And nice. so it was a very nice central location. Uh, however, um, I had my son was a toddler at the time and I was pregnant with my second child. So it was not, it was uncomfortable from that perspective. Uh, just have, it, we didn't have a car. So we took the tube everywhere. Um, and the weather, like I said, it was winter. So it was not nice. Uh, it, in the morning it was dark and it was dark again by four o'clock. So I did not enjoy, and it was hard to get groceries and the apartment we were in was small, but compact. So the day-to-day living of it, um, even if it's just six or so weeks, I found very difficult and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. However, the offset was the history there and all that you could see. So changing of the guard, the British Museum, variety of things that I saw there that I would have never gotten to see uh, was very enjoyable. Um, and then I've been up to Scotland uh, to visit a friend who lives there. She's from Ireland and I spent about a week up there. Um, and her hospitality was fantastic. Um, some of the things I saw there were, uh, I, I didn't enjoy as much as London because it was less, it was more countryside. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I guess I'm spoiled by living in the U.S. that everything's convenient. You have drive-throughs, easy place to park. Um, very, roads very, are nice. The, the drive, you're very car-centric in the U.S. Yes, and mm-hmm. in Europe, it's you have to walk, basically, for most things, which I'm Walk or bike if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, right. And there's nowhere to park, even if you have a car, really. So okay. it's a lot difficult for... Uh, someone like me, a lazy American, to adjust to a society where people are having to be out and about much more on foot. That's fair. Okay. So you definitely had a pretty, pretty extensive experience then. Live, again, you really experienced that day-to-day living. I mean, um, but yes. uh, I was just realizing a topic we didn't touch on. So you mentioned, yeah, changing, seeing change in the guard, Buckingham Palace, for both of you question, you know, a big aspect of, you know, that, British entertainment is the royal family with both like the press. Um, and, I, and for me, I guess I think of more like the current, I don't want to say current generation, but you know, starting with you know, current Queen Elizabeth and uh, Prince Charles and Princess Diana and you know their children. Um, you know, do either of you have interest or at any point had interest in keeping up with the royals, whether it's through the press or I know they've had a lot of shows and productions about it. Yeah, yes, very much. Uh, I did have an interest then when I visited in, in the history, because I, enjoy, I enjoy history um, a lot, especially history, European history and American history. Okay. 
And so I was interested in the royal family. And yes, when I was over there, I visited Kensington Palace. And um, how much how much of this interest compares to what interest you have for maybe American leadership? American what? American leadership, like the president visiting Washington D.C. State oh, uh, I've done that too. I've done that too, and I've enjoyed. It's an American history part. Of I mean, American I understand history. like the the British. You know, it's a, it is a you know figurehead with the Queen and whatnot. So it's a little bit of a right. different you know right. consequences, but still, just so you had a little bit more interest. You felt in the Brit- royal family. Um, not from a political standpoint, um, just more of a historical standpoint. But as time is on and there's more media scrutiny of everyone in the world um, and people are realizing that they're just people who make mistakes also but it's just been covered up by so long like they've mm-hmm. done most every presidents and whoever they've become more humanized um, and so the glitz and glamour and the mystique of it is kind of faded tarnished um, I think so, it's also there's all like a lot of uh, you know mis- mystery a lot of things were kept more private, so you yes. just didn't really know everyone. as much. Yeah, for everyone, not just the British royal family, but yeah. So, not having that mystique and mystery so much anymore, it's kind of not as interesting. Uh, it's more tabloid gossip now, and that doesn't interest me. I mean, a little bit, but not that much. Okay. I think for me, the like the younger years when you're learning about prince and princesses and you know, like Disney stuff, then it was kind of like fascinated because i was just like oh wow they're like real life prince and princess and you know royal family yeah but you know then eventually i grew up as much as i hate to say it um you know learn more about them you know they're actual people too which is um wondrous to figure out um and you know they they do have to get up in the morning and you know make their or maybe have other people make their bed but you know eat breakfast at some point and you know take their tea for dinner or whatever but you know they have to do normal human things too you know they they do have duty i guess um and i i do like to watch a lot of dramatizations i suppose of the royal family like spoofs of them or you know like the crown which is not a spoof it's kind of like a dramatization um and i find them entertaining i'm like picturing like the director of the crown or the writer like just like throwing their hat on the ground like a spoof did you just call my show a sp- i don't know really much about it <laughs> they do they do have some comical elements okay i've heard a few um, things about it but i feel like it's a full-blown it, it, show it is quite it is quite not just a, not just a monty python flying circus no no spoof no, no. Of there, the there's family. one called the windsors um which is quite funny they they have like a stand-in for or not stand-in but like a you know their own version of camilla and charles and um, all the other ones and that's where <laughs> I guess I kind of like I was watching that for a while and that's where Prince Charles always says yes and so or like the imitator always says that so that's why yeah, you were doing for that for a couple. time I remember mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I'm, I apologize entirely for making you endure through that <laughs> um but I and I think I, I saw a video with James Corden um where he had like a version of carpool karaoke with Prince Harry but it was like with the LA big tour bus oh like and, recently yeah mm-hmm. like a couple days ago um, yeah. oh, okay. now, now, that, now that prince harry has um moved to california mm-hmm. sure yeah. is he um, can he still be called prince is he always gonna be prince harry he's uh stepping back from royal duties never away stepping back right um, I, thought there was a, I thought there was a recent announcement from the queen's side that she was how recent is your news this week or last Mine week is- that she was removing some of their statuses so i don't even know if it's 
can you still call yeah. him Prince Harry versus Harry? I think you can. I think they retain title maybe, but no privileges. Yeah. They can't do the royal Slide charities. Royal or he, had a, he had a military status too. Yeah, that's well. gone too. That's also gone. Yeah. Yeah. He used to be heavily involved with his military charities, so they stripped all that it delights me. It, oh, sorry. It delights oh, me that he does Zoom calls with his grandma. <laughs> yeah. Well, she does. Yeah, and she, they've shown that on the press of her doing like Zoom press conferences or something yeah. with like for the uh, for the coronavirus or other briefings. It's delightful, although it's it's absurd because you know it's so ubiquitous. Of course, the Queen will do Zoom, but it, it's just kind of. I mean, she doesn't she drive. Yeah, she she yeah. she used to be like a mechanic in World War One, two, I think two, two. yeah, yeah. Two. Um, so yeah, yeah. Like she still she still got her pieces together. So why not? Perhaps she drives it Range Rover all across Scotland. All her that's what it is. Yeah, there's photos of her and she's just yeah cruising in the film. Uh, yeah, the corgis. <laughs> yeah, with all the corgis she grew up with. Yeah, she just um, maintained her love of corgis. I do just have but, kind of yeah. going at the end here. I think wanting to end with so to me I mean, you both have kind of touched on it but i think what's become really popular at least in the states is um you know maybe 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 10 plus years ago you both being americans interested um in the kind of british entertainment um was maybe less popular over in the states i don't know if you ever felt kind of like you were alone like among your peers or friends of like like you know did you ever feel you could like hey who wants to come see watch this BBC release of a show or did you always feel a little bit with your friends who tend to be more American of like that you were this constant like, like educator I don't know how to say um but you know in terms of now I feel at least maybe in the states things um about you know British drama British period dramas are becoming more popular um and I'm just kind of curious of if you had much interest in in those as, as it's developed through through your years of, of living for both of you. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I felt like I was not an outcast, but I, it was something I didn't discuss. My my interest in British uh, entertainment was not why I didn't widely discuss it with my friends, any of my friends. Um, Is that because, because you just didn't, you kind of liked having a secret life? Big question. No. Do you feel that either of you are more introverted or extroverted? And does this help if you are introverted? Does this side of like, you know, oh, no one really else watches this stuff. So I'm just going to enjoy my me time and watch it by myself or... My guilty pleasure. Yeah. Uh, I'm an introvert, but um, I, I can say I'm embarrassed. I was a little bit embarrassed because I thought people might think I was strange for having the interest that I did in British entertainment. Okay. But now with uh, more programming and things are more mainstream, I don't feel that. It's not really validation. Um you're like, now you guys know what I was like, why I liked it so much. Now you get to see how great it is. Yeah, but bit. still, I think it's not caught on with a lot of friends my generation okay. so much. Um, so, uh, but I feel a little, I'm more open about it. I discuss it a little bit, at least what I'm watching, maybe not in detail. But with close friends, I'll discuss, like, yeah, I watched this great show and masterpiece or whatever. So, Okay. But most people still don't share. Most of my friends my age don't share that interest. Interest, okay. Stephanie, I'm definitely an introvert. I don't know if anyone would tell that. No. <laughs> How would we know? I mean, I don't. Yeah, interrogating. Yeah. I don't know. They I don't only, know. Oh yeah, I guess fair point. Podcast. You know, they don't 50, see us 50 out, podcasts. Out sure. And about. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, definitely an introvert and uh, quite set in my unusual ways, I suppose, from my peers. Um, so I'd never really thought twice about why I'm so strange compared to the rest of my friends. Um, and they, they kind of like, I guess, took me for the token a little bit odd. Maybe I did you know okay job at disguising it. I don't know. Um, that's for them to decide. Uh, but yeah, so I, 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 there was one point in high school, I want to say, where uh, I think Sherlock had just come out and I was already a huge uh, fan of Doctor Who. Specify which Sherlock, please. Oh, yes. Good point. The I, know, BC. I, know, I know to you there's only one, but to the rest of the yeah. world, there's okay, quite a okay. few. Well, I think it'd be quite an age difference if I said, oh, Sherlock from like the Basil Rathbone era came out because yeah. that was true, true. a little while back. Um, no, I'm talking the Benedict Cumberbatch, Stephen Moffat, Martin Freeman, you know, the, the whole group there, Mark Gatiss. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that was about like, uh, you know, a while. Um, and I remember uh, like remarking to someone how like Doctor Who and didn't hear much response. And then Sherlock, and I mentioned it to my English teacher who was also um, a huge fan of Sherlock Holmes. And she's like, oh, yeah that's so cool we could watch it like during lunch i'm like oh that's great let me tell all my friends and then i told everyone in the whole grade as much as i could as you know i could stand as being an introvert um and i tried to make word spread and then eventually by the the end of that year i believe i was able to somehow wrangle and pull some strings um so that we were showing a a proper screening of it in the school auditorium um you know with the the giant I wouldn't say IMAX size screen, but you know, like the giant presentation oh, screen yeah, that's yeah. on mm-hmm. stage, you know, like people could sit in theater like seats uh, and just absorb you. the, you know, the beautiful, um, you know, accents and storytelling and would you, everything. You would know, you do what they do on like the Turner Classic Movie Channel where they have like the guy come before, like, sitting in the little chair coming yeah. before the screen and give a little introduction? I, I can't remember. I'll have to ask some friends here and go off stage. And then there they was would... definitely a podium lectern, and I might have said like, "Hello, welcome to this." Uh, I might have greeted people at the entrance of you know the thing, bef- uh, you know, the door before it even started. Like, Hi, welcome to the screening of episode one, series one, series, not season. Important distinction, um, you know, and and so on. So so seeing that that first episode. Like, that's very um, brave i can't okay, i don't know I couldn't the do only that. reason i did that i think was because i was uh supported encouraged a little bit By tiny little bit but that's teacher. all i needed from the english teacher um wow. and then my ego took off from there and then i kind of carried that throughout college and I feel like some people might have been put off by my proselytizing nature of just preaching <laughs> It is, and, it, it, and then you could be my friend. We've talked about it in previous episodes, and I can speak. Yeah, I experienced. I it. It made like, you sit down. It's a bit of an initiation <laughs> process with Stephanie. You are kind of have to sit down, and she sits next to you, right oh, on you, and says, "Make sure you're looking at this. Make sure you're looking at this. Did you notice?" Retrospectively, this? I am the horrible friend. And then you, I'm, and then so you're, and then you're, you get a lecture at the end of it, and you have to be, you have to tell her what you to thought of it. Who may have had to endure this? I'm terribly sorry because i realized this retrospectively this is horrendous behavior and no one should have to go through this um i certainly would not tolerate it if someone did that to me so uh, kudos and props to everyone who has put up with my horrendous nature we love you i only have one close friend i can share those kind of details with on the british entertainment stuff at gene 
her name is Jean. You refer, you refer, can, you refer to Jean. And, and, yeah. and does Jean, and does, Jean um, does she herself, or she's just like a good supportive friend and like just supports you in your endeavors of? I think she's more of a latter good supportive friend, and okay. um, she's nice. very intelligent, and you know she likes details like I do. And but other than her, I don't really share other than titles. And it was a good story. I don't really share details like I'd like to with someone. So hearing, so hearing Stephanie's story, Dan. How would would you do something similar if you were in high school or in university? No way, no Just way. Because... I didn't have the guts because I'm I'm much more uh, to always try to be more of a mainstream person. So I would not have the courage oh. like Stephanie did to stand up for what I really believed Actually, in and liked in in for a, in front of a large group. I mean, one on one, sure. But I will say I will say that in college. Um, I I did start watching a lot of like the British panel quiz shows, but I kind of kept that to myself. And then only very recently, so this is years and years on, um, another friend had told me, oh, we have this mutual friend who like watches it and now I'm into it. And now our whole friend group is into it. And I'm like, I've been watching. And she's like, oh, have you heard this? It's so amazing. I'm like, yeah, I've definitely seen all of them and more and reruns of that so many and i don't want to be like oh i discovered it first because there's no value in that i think um but that cross, like, i'm glad, that, I'm glad that, you can join the party but i'm surprised you thought i would be new to this i think that, that's more maybe my... how you present yourself though you may be oh they know i'm british through and through everybody who's close friends with me knows this that's true um, I do have one more question and then we'll be transitioning over yes. into the musical music list section, which Diane has provided some, some great, great tunes to share. But I feel one of the main tenements that might make period dramas, like these British period dramas attractive is, um, and even the novels, even the books as well, not necessarily the, the, the film productions, but a lot of times I feel like it showcases um, the, the protagonists, whether they are female or male, you know, like Jane Austen in Pride and Prejudice, Elizabeth Bennet, um, or even um, Darcy. They're characters who, you know, when you meet them first, you kind of learn about their true selves, but you learn that they really have to suppress and hide <clears throat> some of their sides just due to you know institutional societal rulings or maybe their family dynamics. There's expectations of themselves and you get to really witness and see them kind of struggle with that, maybe meet other characters along the way who do or don't resonate, bounce or stick to them. And, you know, by the end of it all, you know, they really just burst through and they're able to successfully and happily, you know, and it's not easy. It takes a lot of vulnerability and maybe some breakdowns of character and wallowing, but they do end up you know, getting the strength to really showcase themselves and live their lives. I mean, they're not like becoming outcasts, you know, they're able to kind of a compromise, but still be genuine and true to themselves. And I always felt that was kind of a universally attractive thing to some of these period dramas. And I wondered if any of that, you know, that's, you know, the, the symbolism of, oh, like I'm thinking of Elizabeth Bennett and Pride and Prejudice of, you know, a young woman yet to be married. And those, those are nice romantic things of courtship is always, you know, the young love, butterflies in your stomach. That's always great. But I, I felt the deeper themes of being suppressed and that suppression could be symbolic for anything in your life. I mean, you see a character on the screen, she's, she's suppressed because she was born into a certain class or she has a broad nose or he has a limp, you know, some, whatever it is, a lisp in speech. 
And yours could some be impediment. some impediment. Yeah, thank you. And but you know, yours could be maybe you're depressed, you deal with depression, or you get overwhelmed with certain things, or yeah, you have this secret affinity that's kind of strange about British entertainment. And I just wanted to know if, if that aspect of those stories resonated with you, well, either of you, um, and kind of helped further draw you into those. Um, I I agree with what you say um, on the depth. Besides just superficial first love, which is in the costumes, the costumes and the settings, the costumes, the landscape, which is all great too. I really enjoy that aspect. But on the deeper note, like becoming who they really want to become, as much as they can in their society, given circumstances. Um, So that's really refreshing. Maybe like a lesson to people that no matter what your societal constraints may be. Um, you can still persevere and push through somewhat, if not all the way, mm-hmm. to what you really want to be in life. Um, unfortunately, I, as I mentioned before, I'm not that courageous of a person. So um, I tend to downplay a lot of my true thoughts, uh, unless I'm like I said, one, one-on-one with someone I feel comfortable sharing that with. But on a larger scale, I um, I don't tend to share, or I'm not that open with my feelings. I'm just like, like I said, comfortable with that. Uh, I guess I'm still, maybe it's my generation as a baby boomer, still concerned mm-hmm. about, you know, what people might think, what society might think. Um, and growing up thinking that I needed to conform in order to become successful, um, shaped my um, personality. And Mm. I kind of followed that uh, norm and it seemed to work out well for me. Uh, I accomplished most of everything I wanted to. The metrics metrics that you had established for yourself. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. So um, even though it may not have been an ideal for someone else, it worked for me and I'm in the comfort zone that I currently exist in because of that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's my take. No, thanks for sharing all that. That makes a lot of Mm -hmm. sense. And it's, yeah, like I said, that was my analysis, but it's always helpful to actually hear from, from someone who's, who was experiencing it. Um, Stephanie, if you had anything to add. Uh, Going back to your thing about like British literature, you know, having those arcs, you know, of overcoming some difficulty. I don't think that's just uniquely British or you know, no, it's quite universal. It's just a general mm-hmm. literature uh, trope, I guess. Um, I'm sure, yeah, it definitely identified with you know, like surmounting something because who hasn't? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I envy the person who has had that tribe life, but also perhaps I don't envy them because uh, you know they've never had to overcome that adversity and like figure out who they are and you know what stuff. <laughs> so cliche to like build character like what 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 battles are they truly willing to fight or -hmm. not um Mm -hmm. you know what are they willing to put their foot down for or you know just Mm -hmm. let slide because they they can't be bothered to care enough um i think we've established before in earlier episodes i don't care about things (laughs) i can't be bothered um that's right but you know for for a couple things uh you know i I will uh be quite adamant about um you know liking them so uh, I don't, but also, I'm not sure if that answered your question. No. Um, yeah, no, but so, so I think long, long and short, um, your your question uh, is, did British literature shape what um, my perspective of life is? 
um, a little bit, but also so did everything else that I had to go through. It's mm-hmm. just as nebulous as you can get of an answer, but I'm, that's Yeah, I, I think that's a good answer. I agree with that mm-hmm. uh, answer. And I think uh, back to the British literature part, I think it's uh, probably why, possibly why Jane Austen still resonates with people today, even though it was written Timeless. 200 years ago. Shakespeare too. I love his stuff. Oh, yeah. and, um, Shakespeare. If I could understand it, yeah. <laughs> it, there's one which I quite like, Coriolanus. It's like one less talked about piece, but it's like one of his later last pieces, I believe. And it's about how leadership just keeps changing. You know, it's kind of like Caesar where um, mm. someone comes back and they're heralded as like the golden person, you know, the person who should lead the moment. And he's like, no, 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 I don't want it. The moment he steps up, um, <laughs> spoiler people don't like him try and depose him and he's like angsty like why don't people like me I'm like, that's very relevant no matter what era you're in doesn't matter right. if you're in the 1400s doesn't matter if you're in 21st century or whatever it's going to be like that so yeah mm-hmm. timeless timeless concepts how about you michelle how about me yeah what about you yeah you, you asked you posed you've been interrogating us answer. yeah Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't, you're putting Interabang and I in a corner here. We were both very cozy, just snuggled up with a little hot drink, drink of choice and just enjoying listening to I you mean, all. You, can't also, you can also be snuggly and still answer and the question. Yeah. That's right. Um, you're trying to be on the hot seat. Hot it's seat. a warm seat. It's warm. Yeah, I don't say hot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. not, but not like that weird warm where it's like someone it's like, else yeah. sat here. It's warm I don't like, like a cup that warm. Of tea. Like you're holding a lovely, nice, warm cup of tea. It's just ready to drink. It's just waiting for your answer. Yeah, yeah but it can't be what when like oh someone's already sat here. It's like oh this is just like yeah, warmed no. by the, warmed by the sun is fine. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Um, or like yeah. some like an external factor, not a person. Um, I think yeah, I'm looking yeah, thinking about my question. Um, no, I, for some reason, got quite bored with British literature and most of the stories. I was like, uh, um, despite understanding, yeah, the theme of like finding, you know, pushing to fight for yourself and dealing with, you know, having to suppress things, whether it's by yourself or by others. But yeah, for some reason, um, very tired. So maybe just the pacing of the writing. Slow. Slower. Um, but I do, I mean, but I've like, I've read literature that also is considered quote unquote slow. Um, but um, I think part of me, because yeah, some of the writing I felt like would have extensive imagery on what was happening. And I think my way I am, I prefer to just actually like go out and experience that myself. Like if I, if they're going to discuss. Rather like, than a be nice, told. Yeah. I don't want to read about it. Yeah, like, if they're going to explain like a nice warm summer meadow and a picnic and frolicking with your lover like i want to go out Tolkien and spending 20 pages describing some trees just yeah some like, trees. like i would just stop reading after a certain point and i just go and yeah i would go and find a garden experience so i think i felt like that was quite common in those like if i was a prisoner in solitary confinement sure and i had no chance <laughs> of seeing any of these things then yes i would enjoy this um, indulgence in the little finer things and smaller details of life. But um, gratefully, I'm pretty able-bodied and um, have the opportunity of things to go out and experience them directly myself. Um, so I definitely appreciate um, exper- appreciate you know them including, and it is nice to sometimes check in. Wait, hang, start- hang on, hang on though. You go can't ahead. you can't experience like the White Witch of Narnia Winters 
<laughs> you know, True, like it's a little but bit. I don't, I don't difficult. like, I don't like fantasy, or I don't like that genre. No, I don't either. Okay, but it's excuse me, it's British literature. You said British literature. I'm just answering yes furthering yes, no, the yeah you know but that, but that genre harry potter no not yeah. even really much sort of the rings to be honest no no um, that's a sleeper <laughs> big time you, you i might have to cut that out here. i might have to cut that out in post <laughs> <laughs> i don't know I, yeah actually you know stephanie i think that's a great quote uh, for our preview lord of the rings comma that's a sleeper <laughs> Let's see, yeah. let's see what a rise that gets out of the Terabang. Oh, well, um, like, another thing, Michelle, you may not be quite the introvert that Stephanie and I are. I mean, maybe Stephanie I, more than myself. I think I And I'd you're flunked. kind of like one foot, maybe yeah, one foot in I each. Do uh, the one foot does resonate because as a child, I would enjoy sleeping with a whole leg outside of the blanket and a whole leg inside the blanket. Um, I don't remember if I had a preference if he was a right or left leg, but I do consciously remember saying this, this is the best way to sleep. <laughs> and it'd be the entire leg out. Um, and I remember like it would kind of bother my mom. I don't know why. I don't know what crime I was committing, but um, I don't do it now but i i still sometimes like to um so yeah um so that's i don't know again i think all of us have not really directly answered that question but there's my my bit there um but yeah so i think now it's time to kind of transition over to the music aspect i think stephanie you have a quick announcement oh quick yeah yeah uh before we go to the music um i would just like to plug our spotify um you can find us at uh what about cast or uh, just type in the, the title including punctuation if you can find it in a terabang on wikipedia perhaps to copy and paste from um we also have a oh we, we also link it in the episode description so you should be able to click it there if you have a spotify account uh we have a twitter um you know, make sure to send us uh, or uh, any questions or comments or any ideas through our twitter email um our twitter is at whatabout underscore cast and our email is whatabout <laughs> dot the podcast at gmail.com um or you could message us through the podbean website uh, we have many avenues of communication we are more than happy to receive any questions comments concerns and fun ideas from you uh so please please uh feel free to contact us if you'd like yes please do. all right music um, time music time if you're still with us yeah <laughs> um if you're still with us so so diane's been great and she has provided um kind of a list of songs that um i think that what you told me diane is just kind of songs that are from yeah british entertainment whether it's from movies or tv shows um and they not, might not be like original works from the composers they might be you know, be brought in um but from you know other other artists um from other times or so um, but these are some that could uh, kind of sit out to you. So the first we have on the list you gave, um, it's by the the Pointer Sisters, Jump for My Love. And you specifically reference how it was in the movie Love Actually. Wanna yes. Speak to that. Yeah. Why that song? Uh, why did that stand out from that movie? Yeah. Yeah. Why, why was it on the list? Oh, okay. Well, first of all, um, I'm a huge fan of Hugh Grant in all the movies he's ever been in. Is it just the hair, the personality? No. Personality, looks, and brains. He's got it all. He covers okay. it all. Okay. Uh, and, and this is all of his work from when he was first working through current? Like just, pretty just much, a, you're yeah. a forever fan? 
Pretty much, yeah. I think the first time I actually, I mean, I know he had earlier works, but the first time I really noticed him was in the movie uh, from the 90s called Four Weddings and a Funeral. It's a great movie. Really, yeah, that really showcased all of his talents. And then he proceeded to, through a series of those type of movies with the director, Richard Curtis, um, directing him and several more of those, like Love Actually. So uh, with an ensemble cast, so they all kind of played off each other. So that was a great vehicle for him, it seems. But uh, so in the movie Love Actually, uh, if you, those that are not familiar with it, he plays a British prime minister. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually, probably not to his credit, for the most part, he plays his, himself in a lot of his roles. <laughs> he's not, although as of late, he's changed and he's gotten a little more creative in changing up his old style um sure he doesn't have anything sarcast- to prove anymore of, yeah yeah so he's, <laughs> he's a little bit sarcastic he's witty he's attractive you know he's kind of like got it all going from as a person and translating that into his acting skills so um the song- I just have to pause real quick so you're being pretty vocal and, ex- and pretty pretty uh, forward with your adoration for hugh grant is this something that you're for the first time disclosing with stephanie and terabing and i or is this something that you've um You've mentioned a husband. Uh, you mentioned some friends. Is this something you're quite public about? I mean, I don't know if you have a tattoo or something, but or a giant poster or anything. But is no, this... I don't have a poster of him anywhere. Was this the first uh, time no you're podcast. disclosing your Hugh Grant Her phone background? <laughs> yeah, it's a phone background info. Yeah. Do you know um, his yeah. birthday over your children's birthdays? How far is this no, going? No, 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 no. I don't. I don't know that quite that many. I just know his general bio it's just one google away that's all it takes (laughs) so on that movie uh when they play that song he kind of he's supposed to be kind of a serious uh prime minister england newly elected and he just bursts into an impromptu dance when he thinks no one's around at the end of the day uh at 10 downing street inside Mm -hmm. and um it's just hilarious to see because he's a bit awkward and stiff, but the music is so catchy. The song on its own, by the yes. Sisters. Yeah. So it was a great uh, vehicle for him to showcase that not talented, not super polished, uptight. Yeah, yeah. That he's more comedic side. Bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More, yeah, more comedic side. He let loose a little bit, but still, he's not able to completely let loose. So <laughs> that's that's what I liked about that. Song. And I believe he's in like still in his work formal wear yeah he's in his work clothes yeah work clothes i heard that uh he he's still requested to do these dances in front of people and he absolutely abhors it and it's great yeah but have you seen paddington too he he does a dance number and it's absolutely spiffing i gotta say oh no i'll have to google that yeah yeah he's he's in he's in great great movie (laughs) (laughs) so i guess continuing on with with, yeah (laughs) It's Hugh Grant's, it's Hugh Grant's body work. I think we have this, the second song here in the list, Stephanie. Uh, yes, uh, I believe it's Killing Me Softly with his song by Fugies and Miss Lauren Hill from, uh, I believe, uh, the movie is about a boy. Yeah, also with, yeah. also with Hugh Grant, I think. Yes, of course. Yeah, so that song was a classic back then. And Terry, just so you know, not, not all of these songs are from Hugh Grant films. We, yes. We'll Although, what a, what a playlist that would be. Tribute <laughs> 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 to Hugh Grant. <laughs> this is not a Hugh Grant tribute that just kind of grouped that way initially. <laughs> so Roberta Flack recorded the song with the original songwriter. I don't know if she wrote it. No, I don't think she wrote it, but she recorded it. In the oh, 70s. sorry. Yeah, I can find the Roberta Flack one. Yep, no problem. 
a massive hit uh, in the US and then um, adapted for the movie about a boy, yes, with Hugh Grant. Um, but it's a little more comic relief in, in the way they play it. And um, his reaction to listening to some people play it on their home piano with their eyes closed, swaying to it. His facial reaction is just hysterical. You just want to burst out laughing, even though the people that he's listening to are trying to have a serious moment. It's just so funny. So that's why I like that. Song. I kind of remember I saw that movie as a kid and I think it was kind of a similar scene to the American film Mean Girls where they have like the, the Christmas talent show portion where there's just this great interaction of from the audience and the perform mm -hmm. the performers on stage. It's yeah, I don't know. There's something that's very natural and organic about those both scenes in those films um, where the performers who are like the main characters of the film like you know, it's they've become very like, exposed, and they really have to like think on their feet. And uh, yeah, it's pretty raw. Yeah, pretty raw is a great word. Yeah. Um, third on the list, um, from the movie Arthur, um, it's mm -hmm. Arthur's theme, uh, "Best That You Can Do" by Christopher Cross. So yes. This, is, uh, old, this is this is jumping back in time a little bit. So about a boy who's kind I think of it's like eighty one, maybe. This is in the eighties. Okay. Yeah, early eighties. Um, and Dudley Moore um, plays a wealthy playboy, um, big trust fund guy, American, uh, although he's British, uh, and he pretends to go through life as a drunk. And in actuality, Dudley Moore didn't drink. So I don't know if he won the Academy Award or he was nominated. Oh, wow. For his performance, because he played a spot on drunk. Um, and then uh, his foil was John, Sir John Gilgal, who is a theater aficionado and classic artist and actor, rather. And so he played the grumpy, sarcastic uh, counterpart to art, silly Arthur. And so the music, the theme, Christopher Cross was the singer. Um, just a beautiful haunting ballad when he's cruising around New York Central Park in his chauffeur-driven Rolls-Royce, antique Rolls-Royce. Mm. It's a so nice, like, it, pensive little tune. Yeah, and it just shows the city, you know, the New York skyline, the lights as they're driving through, and he's giggling in the back of the car because he's had one too many drinks, and, you know, <laughs> he's, he's almost like a little kid. He's so giddish. This, this film, like hearing it now, reminds me of like what might have been with like the Batman story with like Bruce Wayne <laughs> and his <laughs> butler. His parents. Because his butler's name was Arthur. But like, oh, yeah. a, like a young single um, bachelor with a butler who's very like, you know, stern, stern and caretakes for all his shenanigans. But Bruce Wayne went the route of like vigilante. Mm -hmm. like corporate billionaire and then arthur went the route of just like yeah playboy partier i think bruce Wayne also had like a playboy aspect by just like he, having... he's definitely absolutely playboy but yeah. apparently that's just a facade but like yeah a, a total comedy compared to like this dark dramatic action thriller yeah thing. no Ar <laughs> the character of arthur he's a he's a complete uh uh party boy the whole yeah. Almost throughout the whole movie, except towards the end, he realizes that he needs to grow up. Um, well, thanks um, to his butler lecturing him, and he needs to assume responsibility and become the, the adult that he's been for so long. So it's got a good message, and it's also very comical. 
think I think I think those yeah smart smart comedies like that tend mm-hmm. to tend to last better. Um, and then yeah. I think so Tiffany. next song mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I think it's in French. Yes, I could be totally off base here. I'm gonna try my best French accent. Please don't hate me. <laughs> <laughs> it's Valsu un bursé anglais by Fernando Velasquez from Crimson Peak movie crimson pete yes so another why did you choose that one another one of my favorite actors is tom hiddleston famous another famous british actor younger stephanie's brought him up that name rings a bell just a little little bit with from my discussion with stephanie this is sarcasm that i'm speaking in a tone of yeah he's similar to hugh grant and then he's attractive well-educated um witty probably not as sarcastic but I, he probably could be i guess but uh he hasn't come across kind of more smooth um and so in the crimson peak movie and the scene where they play the french song that stephanie uh attempted which was much better than i would have ever attempted to say thank you let's, let's, let's go around and each of us try to pronounce the title no, just okay. kidding <laughs> Uh, it's a beautiful song uh, and he's got a, a dance a waltz uh, with one of the lead characters a lady a young lady and it's just a beautiful intense a uh, few minutes uh, dance between them a waltz between them in a giant is there lovers, right? Are they lovers? Uh, not yet they're just kind of made Ooh. the connection you know he ask her to dance wow. and you know, takes her by the hand, and you know, in those days, something that subtle of a gesture just scandalous, scandalous, taking a lady's <laughs> mm. hand in public without a glove. Was on. there a chaperone? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, yeah. like direct skin to skin contact. Exactly. So that was the beginning of that uh, romantic relationship. But it was just their eye contact that they maintained throughout the waltz mm. was, and, and their dancing was superb. I, and you, it really felt like you were there in the ballroom just witnessing how the connection, the instant connection they seem to have. Isn't that a Guillermo del Toro film? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mio Vasakowska and uh, Jessica Chastain as well. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking I would, I would <clears throat> prosper, flourish quite well in that time because I suffer from severe nervous sweaty hand syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> so the whole like, don't touch my hand, I'm wearing the glove thing would work great for me i mean yes it's a little bit unnatural but that would that would help a lot with some awkward situations yeah, you would your would your glove get quite moist no and it doesn't it's not dripping you know it's not like it'd be dripping okay. through a glove like a sweat. Yeah, yeah i have a moisture wicking glove yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, it might be a little damp maybe i don't know but like it would it's but you wouldn't know it until you like really really whirled you around the floor and you let go because yeah, yeah i slip out yeah <laughs> yeah um, no, that's like, I think, yeah, no, I really like his body of, yeah, Del Toro's body of, of his, his movies are really cool. With the yeah, visuals I agree. Are neat. Um, next, no Tom Hiddleston, but okay. Oh, yeah. Anything to add about Tom Hiddleston, Stephanie? Me? No, never. <laughs> um, no, he's he's a great guy. What is, um, I think you have a nickname. I'm oh, Hiddles, but this. who doesn't? I, I have Hiddles. a nickname for everybody. She does, and I. Yeah, and as true. a friend, I have to spend time staring at her messages sometimes to decode them. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, I can attest from the video Stephanie sent me. Tom Hiddleston is a naturally good dancer. Just one video. Apparently so. 
No videos, plural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There we go. There we go. Um, next on our list. <laughs> yeah, next on our list is um, the Swan Theme from Swan Lake by Tchaikovsky. Um, you know, a comment, you know, it's technically from the sw- ballet Swan Lake, but uh, in this list, it's from when it was referenced in the movie, uh, used in the movie Billy, uh, Billy Elliot. Um, yes, at the end of the movie, uh, when he becomes a full-fledged, uh, main ballet star um, in London, and that's his finale or end of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. But the song itself is just so classic. You know, the ballet is so classic. Yeah. But Billy so is the Billy Elliot stage production before or after the movie? After. Yeah, after. Okay. I think after, yeah. Because it was such a hit on the movie, and then it became a stage hit. Yeah, so, so for oh. call, that's how we're um, Tom Holland. Kate started his yeah, yeah so uh what's his name the the guy who looks like tom holland but now is older uh jamie bell right jamie bell was the yeah actor. he played the, the original, original Billy in the movie yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And he played the boy, now, young boy tom holland has taken or what had taken the spot in the stage I production looks so similar yeah in the yeah. stage production for a little bit and now he's of course spider-man <laughs> of <course>. okay <laughs> What? No one makes these connections <laughs> except me. Oh, and, and Jamie Bell is now married to Kate Mara, and they have a baby. Oh, congratulations there. to them. Yeah. Yep. I think Stephanie, you're next to say. Um, yes. Uh, okay, we did. Sorry. My. Um, I can take it. If you want glitched on me. No, I got it. I got it. It's Dance With Me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's from the movie Anna Karenina. And now, is this from the the recent The 2012, movie? I believe. Okay, okay. Yeah, the, uh, the one with um, Keira Knightley. You seem to like a lot of like the dance like scenes I'm getting. Yeah, here. kind of the classic <laughs> waltz dance. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think because there's just something romantic and and intimate about them. You the free song. Are you a dancer at all? Or do you have that dance Me? background? Yes. Diane, uh, no, I was just in the high school drill team, but I wouldn't consider myself a dancer. Or, or, or social dancing, like waltz or yeah. swing dancing? Oh, no. Line no, dancing no, or anything? Not trained at all. No, no. I, I'm not that. goes back to my being an introvert, I guess. Would you like a- to, if you were given an opportunity to, you know, like say everything's paid for, you know, you, you got your husband or whatever dashing lad wants to be, you're not lad, whatever dashing man wants to Hugh be Grant. Partner. Yeah, Hugh Grant. If Hugh Grant came along and said, man, I have a hundred dollars, would you... Okay, okay, okay. So then you wake <laughs> up and he's still there. And he still wants to dance. Faint again. You, you <laughs> just keep fainting. Bottle. Okay, no. okay. No, I couldn't do it because, you know, I can't, I'm not much of a dancer. You know, being in a high school drill team was just more robotic type stuff and counting. And I'm pretty good at numbers. So, and it was a large group. So I wasn't showcased as a soloist. So, yeah. And and partner dancing is quite different too. Yeah, you've got to have a great male dancing partner, which sadly I am not married to. Yeah, no, Hugh Grant. You know, but he's been brushing up. So you never know. One of these days you might be the lucky one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in my dreams <laughs> so so why did you choose dance with me from um anna Karenina? just because the scene it comes from yeah yeah another similar to uh crimson peak you know a large uh victorian ballroom and just beautiful costuming and a lot of 
beautiful dancers, uh, couple dancers, and just graceful, romantic. And the same kind of thing. It's kind of where the couple first really interacts, just as it did in they did in Crimson Peak. Well, I think, and I think it's also interesting because Anna Karenina is, you know, a Russian novel, mm-hmm. um, but the film is, I think, British directed and mostly right. British act- acted. British yeah. actors, yeah. Um, so I just think it's interesting, just kind of the exchange of cultures there. How um, it translates? Well, yeah, it's just interesting how yeah, a different culture takes on and does a film from a, another culture's but I think, um, story. you know, <laughs> for Anna Karenina, you know, the story you know, is based on um, wealthy Russians who were more European. Yeah, than... they're already starting to become westernized. Yeah, so it's not a big stretch. Yeah. So it's not a big stretch. You know, wealthy Europeans, no matter what country they were from back then, they were all related, interrelated families and stuff. So same. So, you know, and they were so much separated from everyone else in their social groups. Well, they didn't mix as much as they do now. Exactly. And even we talked about with their previous song of Swan Lake with Tchaikovsky, kind of the same era that Irina Kunarina was written at when yeah, yeah. The, the Russians so think, were, were looking towards the West a bit in terms yeah, of so modeling their it, culture it after. so well to British, mm-hmm. similar. Okay. And then the next movies. song, the next song we have is kind of another example of that cultural exchange. So it's from the film Dr. Shivago, which mm-hmm. is a book. Yes, know? it's a book. Also a Russian, it's a Russian, Russian. story. In a, so yeah, a Russian Pasternak. Author. I think his name was, I think Boris Pasternak was okay. the author. And then when he, he wrote it in Russia, it was banned, the publication. Mm. And somehow got it sneaked out to Western Europe and then became... Do we know why it's banned? Was it too saucy? No, because of the political leanings. It might have spoke, mm, spoken okay. negatively. Yeah, I, I don't um, think it was anything to do with the romance so much itself. It <laughs> okay. Just, I think we talked about the, the Bolsheviks and the revolution. And I think it was just for the politics. The communists were trying to keep a low profile mm, on that. Gotcha. So yeah, they didn't yeah. want any controversy, even if it was relatively true. Sure. So, so, sure. They, did, so they did a film. They did a film titled mm-hmm. Dr. Shivago, and the song you selected right. is... Um, by um, Maurice Jarre, or Jarre. Um, Laura says goodbye to Yuri, also known as Laura's theme. Mm-hmm. Laura, I believe. Laura. Laura's theme. Yeah, she oh, was the Laura's? main character, okay. the love interest of this wealthy Russian doctor. And um, once again, translate because it's from an, a wealthy elite Russian family. He was a doctor. He lived with another a family that were also wealthy businessmen had this huge mansion that the uh, Bolsheviks eventually took over and subdivided into like 30 families living there. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, uh, the romance between um, the young doctor and the nurse uh, transcended over time and history and class lines because she was not as an elite from the elite group that he had grown up with. So very moving story and along with the historical events that went along with it. I just have to say, I don't know, Terabing, if you're appreciating this, but I am definitely appreciating our guests' vast and uh, detailed knowledge of both the, uh, okay. the, uh, um, you know, the, the story, the fictionalized story maybe, but also the historical background of where the inspirations that it socioeconomic economic inspiration of this yeah i think it's also i'm a big fan of docudramas where they take some liberty with history yeah and make it a little more interesting than just historical facts that some people may just get bored by 
I think it's when important that, yeah. It, mm -hmm. When you humanize it, a story that way, people like, okay, yeah, so this love story or this triangle happened during, you know, these historical times. So it seems to lend well, blend well together. It's a good formula. Well, it seems, like, it seems that you, you're differentiating between what is the fictional aspect of the story and what was more the mm -hmm. nonfiction historical right. things are really happening, um, which is interesting. So it brings, it brings together two elements that I like, the historical portion with the romantic story. Hence, you're a PBS answer to the opener question. Yeah. Then I must ask you this, for your next um, bit, you, you put down the nutcracker, like all of it. Of course, by, you know, the famous Tchaikovsky. Famously, um, as I recall there, uh, the girl like shrinks into a rat size, uh, you know, size. And Clara then, you know, Marie. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Clara. And um, that, that seems, you know, rather fantastical and you know, dances with sugar plum fairies. What's all this about? <laughs> oh, um, the story is, uh, I, I like the music more than I like the story, actually. <laughs> Fair enough. It's when I saw the big rats come out, I'm like, that's pretty good. <laughs> so the real background on that and why I liked it, because it was my first introduction to a symphony. Okay. Uh, I, I went on a fourth grade, I went to public school and we had, they had a fourth grade field trip for many of the public school students where I grew up in the city. And um, so that was my first introduction to any any kind of a performance like that, music, uh, stage performance, a ballet, all that was brand new to me at that time. And I just kind of fell in love with the whole thing. And um, mm -hmm. as I, when I had children, when they were small, I tried to make it a family tradition of going to see the Nutcracker Ballet in the city where we lived. Uh, hope to get them a little bit more interested in it. My son, not at all, my daughter somewhat. Uh, <laughs> Uh, because she had an interest in dance and ballet too. So I think that helped her along with that. Uh, mm -hmm. And my son was more sports driven. So no. Maybe, anyway, he, maybe so, he liked the battle scene. Yeah, he was in a battle. Where, where the Rat King was. Yeah, beaten. that's true. That's probably all he really But it's pretty, it's pretty short compared to the rest of the, you have to right. go through quite a bit of some other stuff to get to the battle scene. That, yeah, that's an incredible yeah. like first ballet to like- It witness. is. I mean, I, I'm yeah. definitely a fan of it myself. And so yeah, for that to be your first exposure is pretty, pretty, yeah, pretty wow. Yeah, fourth grade, yeah. Your field trip. And I don't know who paid for all those public school kids to go, but- <laughs> And we weren't like Thank you taxpayers, or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like I was at an underprivileged school and someone gave us a big grant. It was just kind of an average uh, economic average um, school at that time. So mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. Neat. Somebody. Very That's cool. awesome. And yeah. so and so you just pick, you just said all, all the music just because as a whole, Pretty much, as, a, yeah. as an entire it's production. Hard to, hard to differentiate because they're all, all 24 songs. songs. Is it 24? Yeah. <laughs> 24 probably songs? My favorite, probably I should have just listened. My favorite was the Spanish dance song. I think, okay. it's, a, I think it's also in some versions, the coffee uh, era yeah the coffee i think is what they no it's i forgot the, I forgot the De title depending on which ballet company produced it they either call them you know the spanish dancers or i think it's no they're chocolate because the arab dancer is coffee i think they they, they change it's interchangeable but i i think it depends on what orchestra is playing it um, okay. but it is it is definitely an act two 
Um, yeah. Okay. With, so there's with, one with, called yes, the chocolate. It's the chocolate. Coffee is Arabian dance. Yes. Tea is it's Chinese towards the beginning dance. of Act Two when they start introduce. I think that Spanish first, okay. and then they have mm-hmm. the Arab dancers, and I yes. think they have the Asian and the Russian, maybe. So I all of remember. those were, were good. Oh, go ahead. Um, I but saw that Spanish. one at one point, and I remember. I think I liked the Russian one where. The guy just springs up and down. Tends to be, yeah, that's more the, yeah, that the looks with the grand jetés is, is the Russian. Mm-hmm. Is that what mm-hmm. it's called? The grand grand jeté. Yeah, it's right. a lot of I'm a lot of forte, at my friends. Forte, I'm not laughing at the forte turns and, and I don't know if yeah. that's really Russian or is it more of their rural the, per, the peasants. I think the group of people that that dance originated from is called the Cossacks. Mm-hmm. And um, I know, I guess they were Russian, maybe. Or Polish. Well, this, is, Russian, yeah, this is Eastern okay. European. Yeah, so yeah, mostly, could be yeah, modern day Ukraine as well. Um, no, no, great, no, great story for sure. Um, next, we have, and if my memory serves me well, I think we are bringing Hugh Grant back in from the side, <laughs> from the from the side curtains here, uh, from the film Sense and Sensibility. Is that he was in that? Curve? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, so, the the from the movie Sense of Sensibility, the song you've picked, Diane, is um, my father's favorite. Um, it's it's part of the original score of the film. So the, as far as uh, who's behind it, it seems to be a collaboration between um, Patrick Doyle, um, Tony Hymas, and we're trying to read here Robert Ziegler. Um, and I believe there's two versions in the in the score. One is just more of a simple piano composition the other is more of a full orchestra version um mm-hmm. but yeah if you want to share a little bit about shed, shed some light on why you picked that song well uh first of all it's one of my favorite movies i'm a big jane austen fan and oh, so um, originally one of her novels right right and i think that was the first movie that i saw from her novels ever saw possibly i think uh, that i can recall and so I was enamored of all things Jane Austen prior. And then when it came out in a film and it was adapted, the screenplay by, was by Emma Thompson, who's a great actress. And um, the ensemble cast was all great actors. Some of them unknown at the time, like Kate Winslet, that was I think one of her first movie roles. Um, but I liked Alan Rickman and um, Hugh Grant, of course, even though he had kind of a smaller part, but still memorable. So um, always, always memorable. Always memorable. Yeah. I think isn't yeah. Hugh Laurie? Am I? Hugh Laurie's in there. He's good. He's so many Hughes. Yeah, I know. He's another uh, Oxford educated, like Emma Thompson, uh, bright, witty, sarcastic. I tend to like that type of humor. I'm so really all... sorry, Diane. They're Cambridge. Oh, I, I... thank you. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> I had yeah. to say I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> now, was Hugh Grant Oxford or Cambridge? I can't mm, remember. Uh, I don't know if Hugh Grant. So, I mean, I, I know of Hugh Grant. I just haven't Wikipedia'd him he's recently. But Perhaps. yes, you're right. The other ones were Cambridge students, and they dated, and they met, and yeah, Hugh Laurie and Emma Thompson. But anyway, dark, yep, yep. track. Well, what I kind of like about those, from my exposure to Emma Thompson and Hugh Laurie, so yeah, sense of sensibility. It's it's a drama. They're not comedic roles. I mean, there might be some side smirks or little intonations, but you know, through their other movies or just in interviews, you do learn that they have a you know they are do have a definitely comedic side to them. So they have quite a vast range um, that I've been impressed by at least from um, yeah, from them as they actors. Do. They do. Um, oh, I just found out that Hugh Grant went to Oxford. 
ah that's probably why i haven't seen him um i have looked and studied the cambridge footlights <laughs> yes um, they were amateur dramatic uh, society or club that they had um along with the marla society just in the same building um when i was over at cambridge <laughs> and uh yeah so so hugh laurie stephen fry um and emma thompson were all the same group at the same time yeah. of the cambridge footlights which is like a sketch show yeah, um, yeah but i believe right. uh they might have also been in the marla society which is like the dramatic version and you know they like to put on spoofs of every year of each other in symptoms that you know they'd have the same members in both groups so it'd be okay. great fun you know spoofing themselves mm-hmm. um and in many Quite quite a few of those members have, you know, risen to fame and uh, if you want to call it greatness, you know, ha- like half of Monty Python was there. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot, great many comics that I revere and esteem to this day. Uh, Stephen Fry, or I already mentioned him, um, a lot of the people on the British panel shows. <laughs> and I'm going way off base here. Just but bubbling long story over. short, mm-hmm. um, yeah, great group of uh, people, clubs, stuff. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. a little off tangent, but hey. No, it's all, it's all, all no, it's all, it's all need to know. Yeah, the connections. I feel. Oh, it's so yeah. Fun. Like I remember, like when I learned, like Robin Williams was like roommates with um, Superman. Christopher Reeve. Christopher Reeve. Oh, like, really? Yeah, like they were yeah. roommates in, in university, or something. It's like, and then and they kind of remained as friends. But, I mean, their careers yeah. were so different, sure. and they seemed very different people. But like, just yeah. to show that like, you just never know the backstory of yeah of people. I know um, you would never. I would never put those two together in anything. Yeah. Much less roommates. Yeah. Can't imagine that. Um, I think Stephanie, do you have the next song? Oh, is, is it me? Um, yes. Uh, so now I believe we, well, I guess you can do the last, you can do the last two. I think they're because oh, they're from the same. Okay. Yeah. So uh, now we've ventured into um, the more musical theater side um, with Andrew Lloyd Webber's Phantom of the Opera with think of me and all I ask of you. Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yes, so tell us um, about it. Then. Okay. Um, I also like uh, kind of like uh, murder mystery, besides history and British period. Like thrillers? Uh, or... Yeah, murder mystery thrillers. And yes, I am a fan of Sherlock and Benedict Cumberbatch, of course. Thank you. Uh, yes. And Martin Freeman. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, um, so I like that. You've, as just, well. you've just been invited endlessly back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, so, um, the story of Phantom of the Opera, um, I don't remember when I first got introduced to it, probably in high school, I probably read it or maybe saw a television adaptation of it. I thought it was originally his, I thought it was originally his work, maybe a short story he adapted from. Oh, no, it's, I think it's existed long before, uh, in some form, but anyway, um, but then when I was in London, living there for about six weeks or so, when I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, I actually had the um, opportunity. Um, my husband and I, we had theater tickets uh, in the theater district there to go see it live, uh, Phantom of the Opera. Oh, wow. Uh, with, with the Andrew Lloyd Webber and Sarah Brightman. Back oh, in, like the original, original uh, casting. Yes. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah, very, special. very fortunate. Of course, at the time... I knew how famous they were and how it was, you know, but it had been running for a couple of years by that stage. So, sure. yeah, anyway, so I remember I have a big movie po- a poster I bought at the theater and I framed it and put it in my powder room. And, but the drama, the drama of, you know, the chandelier, you know, being physically there and watching it on stage, plus the music being live as any live performance 
uh, just enhances your um, viewing experience. So um, that's where those two songs came from that I really enjoyed. Mm -hmm. I, I like the songs that pull at your, tug at your heartstrings a bit, make you feel like you're part of the production, like you're in the moment there and, you know, bring a tear to your eye, perhaps. Well, I feel like definitely, um, yeah, all I ask of you really is a crescendo moment at the end, just really all, all they have left as vocalists. Yeah, as a so-called couple. It's just such a moving and sad story. Um, Great harmonies. I really like the musicality of, of all the pieces. Yes, yeah. So it's kind of hard to pick favorites from some of these uh, movies and um, other stage works, but try to narrow it down just for the sake of the podcast. Yeah. So in, ter in Turbing, yeah, we definitely invite you to listen. Yeah. Like when we suggested the full Nutcracker production, but you know, for the other, you know, Swan Lake or you know, some of the films. Yeah. I mean, you can listen to the songs maybe. I mean, I mean, there's also the significance of order. So maybe you'll listen to these songs first and then see how they are in the films or the TV shows or maybe vice versa, um, which I think would be interesting to see. I did just fact check. Um, so you were right, Diane, to the fan of the opera is actually originally a novel. Um, written by Fren a French novel by Gaston Leroux um, yeah. in 1910. And then it was 1986 that Andrew Lloyd Webber made the musical out of it. But I think right. another interesting cultural shift because Andrew Lloyd Webber is British, but yes, the story and the setting is, is French. So it's just yes. kind of interesting. Like the turn of the century, mm -hmm. like you said, 1910, yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I don't know when it got set to music oh i guess in the 80s with Andrew yeah, 86 Weber. for the musical mm -hmm. okay but the story was yeah the same yeah um yeah no great stuff all of it um and again as stephanie mentioned in terrifying you I mean she mentioned the ways that you can uh figure out where all this stuff is going so it's going to be going to our spotify playlist and also there's thank you dan for coming on to the podcast i know i said that yeah. but thank you so much it's been really nice having a oh, I proper so. discussion thank about this thank you both for inviting me as your first guest I yeah felt, happy to have you felt honored and thanks for letting me share some of my opinions and experiences um on the subject no, it's been great. No, it's been a great conversation. Thank you both for, for sharing, uh, sharing so much about why the love, why the love for, for all of it. And I uh, definitely could learn, learn a lot for myself about it all. Uh, and Terabing, spread the love. Yeah, Terabing, I hope, hope you're doing, hope you have a great, great week, great rest of your day, evening, morning, whatever it is. And uh, we will uh, see you soon. Talk to you soon. Talk yeah. to you soon. Take care. Cheers.